0: So um, I say a lot that the sermon actually begins long before I get up here, and this morning was a perfect example of that, and you'll see why as we continue this morning. Um, I'll tell you what, I I, um, got some really encouraging emails and, and texts and everything from the last three weeks of... Drew and then Kevin and then Andy. That was his first sermon last week. And all I heard was, you know, wow, it was great. It was great. So not bad for a first sermon. You know, people just get better as they get older too. So uh, hopefully, um, some of you think, well, not really. You've gotten worse. Um, but, uh, but it's just great. Uh, you know, people say, well, they'll tell me all these good things and they'll say, but no, we missed you. I just want to la- no, we did miss you. It is not encouraging nor is it relaxing if People say, oh my gosh, it was horrible. I, oh, you just, you can't go anymore because it's like when these people get up there, it's terrible. That's not relaxing and encouraging for me. It's really relaxing and really encouraging, and really uplifting when I get all these amazing reports from how everyone did and how creative it was. So that was really, really awesome. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our, in our series and we're going to talk about something that really relates to all of us trusting and drawing near to God during our sometimes most painful or, say, challenging, confusing times. The Apostle Paul, all right, we're kind of in this whole idea of portrait. So I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul just for a second this morning. The Apostle Paul is someone who had to deal with all kinds, all types of trials and challenges throughout his life. Right. Throughout his his spiritual journey, we're all on a spiritual journey. And if you read the life of Paul, he went through so many things in his life, so many trials, so many challenges, so many difficulties. And in Second Corinthians, chapter 12, he talks about having this thorn in his flesh. Right. Everybody's heard. You've been around church long enough. You talk, you know, we talk about what is the thorn in the flesh? Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us exactly what that means. But I think every single person in this room, if you're over six, if you will, can relate to the concept. And so Paul, when he's going through this, does what any human would do. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane cried out to God and said, God, if it be your will, Father if it be your will, take this from me because he's fully God and fully man. The fully man side, when he recognized what he was going to have to go through, sweat blood and said, Father, if it be your will, take this from me. But obviously being fully God, he said, but not my will be done, your will be done. So Paul cries out to God to, to take this affliction from him and God's response has given strength to generations of suffering challenged if you will struggling believers God's response to Paul he says in 2nd Corinthians 12 9 but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses for so that Christ's power may rest on me Recently, I've had to experience really one of the saddest times in my entire life. Now, a couple weeks ago, like a month ago, I kind of got up here and described to you, my father had a had a stroke and and the stroke affected the personality side of his brain. And so, you know, and then and we went on for a while in the hospital and he passed three weeks ago. And most of you know that. And I went down and just spending time with him. And my brother and I, you know, my brother called me and said, I'd love if you could come down right now because, you know, dad's had this stroke. And so we spent time with him in the hospital. And um, and I got to tell you, at one point, the reason I went down there is because my father was all medicated. And my brother felt like we need to get him off the medication in order to see where he is mentally. And can I bring him home? And what can I do? And so we had to get him off the medication. So we were going to spend 24 hours a day for like three or four days just staying up with him day and night because he got agitated at night. And many of you have maybe people who got older and during the day they're okay. But then at night something happens and they get real agitated. And we didn't want to put the nurses and anybody else through this because we wanted to see how he was going to react with no medicine. So we take the responsibility. So we went down there and I have to say um, it was it was. The emotionally, the most difficult, most challenging uh, 36 hours, one of the worst 36 hours. I, I stayed with my father all night. We were up all night, but I, it was a 36-hour stint that I just stayed with him constantly and gave somebody else a chance to go to sleep. And it was the emotionally worst 36 hours of my life. But it was also the, the best spiritually. It was spiritually the best 36 hours of my life. Um, I had to lift him up and help him. The nurses at night, at like at, at really late at night, my father really couldn't move around because he was. He physically couldn't move around much at all. And I, I know some of you have been through this as well. So I had, when they were, they had to clean him off and things like that. So I'd lean over and pick him up in the bed and hold him there so they could kind of clean him off and take care of him. And I went through that. And again, uh, you know, some other time I'll go through different stories and explain, explain those things. But again, it was emotionally the worst 36 hours of my life, but spiritually the best 36 hours of my life. Um, when, he gets, when he got settled back in the bed, we got him down, and we got, he got all settled, uh, he said to me in a very soft voice, I want to ask you something. And, you know, he's, I wasn't sure where he was, you know, in his mind, but it's it, fascinating. Every time my father asked me a spiritual question, I knew it was coming, every single time. Because he would say, I want to ask you something. So I kind of... Anticipator, Here comes a spiritual question. Couldn't anticipate the question, though. He said, how can I buy more time here? And I, you know, I didn't want to react right away because I didn't, I didn't want to overreact or jump to conclusions. He said, how, how can I buy more time here? And so I said to him, Dad, are you, are you asking how you can... Because, again, his mind was shifting all around. He said some things that didn't make a lot of sense sometimes. And I said, Dad, are you asking how you can how you can buy more time in the room here? Because, you know, that's covered by insurance. And, you know, are you, are you asking, you know, how you can spend, you know, can buy more time in the hospital? You don't have to worry about any of that. No, no. To both questions, he said, no, no. I said, hospital? He, no, no. So I, I said, Dad, are you asking how you can buy more time here on earth? And he said, yes, yes. How, how, can, I, how can I buy more time? He said, I have, I have money in my pocket in my pants right over here. You know how can i I have money I, I, how can i how can I buy more time his His question, I realized, was a mixture of confusion and concern. It was kind of a you could just tell by the way he asked, it was a mixture of confusion and concern. I thought to myself, what an odd and also very profound question. before I move on, I have to say this just in a little bit of you know. I'm a pastor. Um, that's like throwing a fastball, okay, right down the middle, right? When someone asks a question like that, I'm thinking to myself, that is absolutely amazing that he would ask that question at the end of his life in this situation. I, I was, so I thought, but I thought to myself, what a profound question. And, I, and I, as I step back, I thought, we need to ask ourselves here this morning: is just is is this just the the ramblings? The confused ramblings of a dying man, because you're thinking, well, he, you know, he got a, hit a stroke. And so, is that the way we're going to look? You look at it? Well, it's just the confused ramblings of a dying man. Or is there more at work in the question, in this whole situation? See, there are often reasons beyond our comprehension and understanding that are in play in our lives when we go through the you so many of you have been through the experience of losing a mother and a father or losing you know losing people around you that were so significant to you and you've had to walk through some of the same things i had to walk through and some and just there are often reasons beyond our comprehension and understanding that are in play and in that situation You've got to ask yourself if you're, maybe you're just a doctor. I'm not saying doctors aren't Christians. Many of them are. Some of them are not. But if you're a doctor, you know, if you're a brain doctor, they just say, I could have said something like, you know, um, my point is, why even answer the question that my father was asking, to be honest with you, when he most likely wasn't going to remember what I said in an hour or 15 minutes after I said it? Why even ask, why not just say to my father who's laying in bed, um, Dad, don't worry about that kind of stuff. It, it, just rest. You just rest. Just, you don't need to talk about it. Everything's good. Just rest. Why not just say that? Right? Because... If we live in just a natural world, that would be a a, a good response. See, the Bible says that we live in a spiritual as well as a natural world. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it reminds us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If you look at the question from just a natural perspective, it has no significance at all. At all. It's the ramblings of a man who's dying. How can I how can I buy more time here? I have money. I have money in my pocket in my pants. So if you look at it just from a natural perspective, it's just just, it's 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 insignificant. But the question created an opportunity, and that's the key. I want you to remember that. His question created an opportunity to glorify God and to impact the lives of others. We weren't the only people in the room when he asked the question. So that question created an opportunity to glorify God and to impact the lives of other people. When I answered the question... This is why it's important that we see things beyond just the natural. When I answer the question, it gave my father a chance uh, and it gave him a sense of security to hear God's truths repeated back to him. My father was a believer. OK, he was a believer. I know he was from what he wrote, from what he said to me his whole life. So there's no question my father's a believer. But. My answer gave my dad a sense of security security by reminding him of God's truth. I explained to him that it's impossible. I said, Dad, it's, it's not possible to buy more time here on earth. That's not possible. But I said that Jesus already paid that price for us so that we could live in eternity with God. Jesus already paid the price for us to spend eternity with God. I explained to him when he leaves this, when he leaves this world, it's, it's just the beginning. Then he begins an eternity with the Father. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 tells us that, that, that we are bought at a price, that Jesus paid a price for us. So there's no need to, you can't, you may not be able to buy more time here on earth, but Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross, paid the price for us to spend eternity with God. So I said, Dad, when you leave here, when you, the moment you leave here, you will be spending eternity with God. And he sat back in bed, imagine laying in bed, and he was staring straight ahead, and he was thinking for a moment. I thought, does he even understand what I'm saying? And he started nodding his head and shaking his head. And he said, okay, okay, okay. And, he, and then he rested. I explained, I explained the truth to him. And then he rested. There was a caregiver and a nurse the nurse had walked up, but the caregiver was still in the room. Like I said, at night, my dad would get a little you know, belligerent, if you will. And so they wanted someone to sit with him for 24 hours as well. So the caregiver was sitting there, and when he asked that question, how can I buy more time here, she was reading a little book or whatever. You could just She closed that book and just shifted a little closer because she wanted to see how I was going to answer the question. And it gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with her. So I could have just said to my dad, well, you know, dad, you don't have to worry about that thing. You Just rest. But is there more at play here? Is there more at work? Can God use all the circumstances of our lives to impact the lives of others and to glorify Him? We exist to glorify God in every situation of our lives. And that gave me the opportunity to share the gospel. See, I believe, I truly believe that God can use the most challenging times in our lives, the most challenging times to impact the people around us and also to change us. I said it was emotionally the most difficult, the worst 36 hours pretty much that I spent in my life, but it was spiritually the best 36 hours I spent in my life because there's so much more there's there's so much more that's hidden. There's so many treasures that are hidden and it has changed me. It has changed me. And if you think about it, everyone okay, around us has questions like that. And they're not laying. In, they're not laying in their deathbed. They're not. They're not. They didn't have a stroke, but they have questions just like that. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? How did I get here? And when I die, where am I going? People have those questions. They can reject God all they want to, but they go through the process of asking the questions. Even if you reject God, you're still stuck with, who am I? Okay, what is my purpose in life? They haunt people. They actually haunt people. And some people make the mistake of, of contemplating those questions in a vacuum. Think about this, okay? Process it through with me. They, they, they make the mistake, they mistakenly contemplate these questions in a vacuum. They become the center of each question. They themselves become the center of each of those questions. But I want to submit to you, okay, I really want to submit to you that these questions are better answered in a larger context. They're better answered in an eternal context. Each one of us exists to glorify God. Every single one of you here, you exist to glorify God. That's why you exist. And every moment, every circumstance, every trial, every opportunity is a chance to do just that, to glorify God. Whether you're spending 36 hours in a hospital room and in, in, in having sound and, and sight and smell that you will never forget, Circumstance you will never forget. Every circumstance you find yourself in, as difficult as they may be, is an opportunity to glorify God. Why? Because we don't just live in a natural world. If he never asked the question, all I did was lift him up to give the the nurse or the caregiver some extra help, okay, and interact with her during that circumstance, it's still an opportunity for me to minister to the caregiver. To show the love of Christ to the person who's in the room. Every opportunity is an opportunity to glorify God. Like my father's question, none of these questions, who am I, why am I here, what's my purpose, how did I get here, where am I going when I die, none of these questions begin or end with the individual. They really don't. And that's why people, that's what they miss. When they ask those questions in a vacuum, that's where they miss. None of those questions begin or end with the individual. They are all they should all be asked in the context of eternity. in an eternal context. I also had a chance to explain to my father and, and to the, the nurse, the caregiver, that this world is not our home." I said to my dad, "Dad, this world ultimately is not our home." We have an eternal home. And one day for my dad, I said to him, someone said to me earlier this morning, you know, hey, your father beat us there. I said, that's what I said to my father. You know, when he he was lucid, I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, one Friday, he just came back completely and he was all there mentally for about an hour. And I got a chance to say to him, hey, dad, you're going to beat me there. You're going to be there before me. This world, my friends, is not our home. And we think of it as our home, we struggle even more. When we think of this world as the be-all, end-all, we think the natural world as home, sweet home, and then you're going to have all kinds of trouble in this world. But if you think of this world as you're passing through, ultimately to get to your eternal home, will be a new heaven and a new earth. When you have that eternal perspective, all those other questions fall into place. Even the difficulties and challenges of life begin to fall into place. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Here we do not have an enduring city. It's funny that my father's natural mind, when he wasn't thinking the way we would normally think, would ask the question, the natural mind would ask the question, how can I buy more time here? We don't have an enduring city, but we will when we go from this place to the next. We will have that. See, as we reflect on the question, we can find treasure When at first, when at first glance, what at first glance seems insignificant. Honestly, unreasonable. It's an unreasonable question, let's be honest. Everybody knows in this room you can't buy more time here. But if you just take a step back and reflect on his question, you can find treasure in what at first glance seems unreasonable. When I've shared this story, as of the last three weeks, I've been gone. I was at Camp of the Woods, and there's a lot of people there that I know, and, and just interacting with people. And when I share this story, and I share that, when I share my father's question, it's been incredibly interesting, the responses that I've gotten from people. If you're younger, when I shared it with younger people, okay, their response was, that's odd or curious. That's it for the most part, in general. They're, they were more, mm, that's an odd question, that's curious. When I shared it with older people who were either have gone through challenges in life or about the age of my father or maybe a, a little older, they were more reflective. They didn't find the question odd at all, honestly. They didn't, they didn't find it odd at all. They found it more profound. I mean, literally, I would, I would talk to someone and, and and when i said that they didn't go that's, what that's nuts what they said, what they did was said they they sat back and even chuckled or like like huh. they thought and they all of a sudden you could see this reflection going on when i said it and they would just laugh a little bit and they would shake they would kind of nod their heads and they would stop talking for a moment and they, and they were reflecting it's a, it's absolutely it, it was one of those things that I t- I started taking notes in my mind how different people reacted to it. See, the hidden is often revealed when we look at it from a different perspective. When you're younger, you're going to live forever, for goodness' sake, right? You're you know, it's like Enoch. I'm never going to die, right? I'm just going to. It's just never going to end. Nothing's going to happen to me. When you get older, all of a sudden, you're because of the experiences you've had in your life, the hidden is often revealed. When you look at it from a different perspective, let me give you a quick example. I love, you're, you may not you think I'm crazy or whatever, but I love, and Deb does too, and Josh has gotten into it. We love taking pictures of mushrooms, okay? Toadstools, mushrooms, all kinds of lichens in the woods. We go around taking pictures of them. And what I've realized is that, show the, show the, shoot the first one up there. You, you take a picture of a mushroom and you see it from one perspective, but something happens when you see it from another perspective where you can get your camera underneath and look at it from a different perspective, the hidden is often revealed. And that's just a little example. I took one on this last couple of weeks. I have other ones where you get underneath, you can't really see, and you just come take your camera, and theres it's like magical almost. The hidden is often revealed when we see things from a different perspective. See, I believe my dad's question has eternal significance for everyone in the room. Every, everyone in the room. Honestly, to strengthen our faith. Some of you may have been struggling with, you know, you know with, with those questions yourself. Like, you know, how, when you're getting to the point and you're saying, yeah, that's truth, that's spiritual truth, and that strengthens your faith. Or to comfort, it comforted my father to hear the truth. When he heard the truth, his mind was able to comprehend, and he literally was shaking his head, looking straight, shaking his head and saying, oh, okay, okay, like I understand that, that's right, that's right, I understand that. It's also challenging. Where are you going to go when your time is up here? Because you can't buy more. So when you leave here and go into eternity, where are you going to go? It's a challenge. It's also, it, it was a great experience for the caregiver. I had an opportunity. It an, I, I think it was a good experience for her. It was a great experience for me. Like that's why I said, it's like you know queuing up a fastball for a baseball player when someone asks that question in front of other people it gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with this young woman. And it gave me a chance to kind of talk to her and interact with her on a, on more of a spiritual level. And when I answered, like I say, when I answered the question, it calmed my father's spirit. He was, you know, he was asking the question, I got money in my, and I've got money. It's in my pants pocket, you know, and, But when I answered his question, he became calm. There's a verse that you've all heard before. It's in Philippians 4, 7. It says, listen to this. And the peace of God, which which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does that not relate exactly to what we're experiencing? I'm just sharing with you right now. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Unconditional trust brings undeniable peace and contentment. When we unconditionally trust God in different circumstances, even when we don't understand it, it, it undeniably, okay, undeniably brings peace and contentment. There are going to be times in our lives when we don't understand what we see. Or, or, or what we're seeing or what we're experiencing. There will be times when we struggle with what is happening around us, what is happening to us or what is happening to those, those people around us. There are going to be times in every single person's life, and you've already experienced this, when you're going to struggle in your mind and in your heart with what's happening. Why are these things happening to you or to others around you. And it's during those times that we truly need to trust that God has a larger purpose in mind, that God can and does bring beauty out of the ashes, that God does have a better plan than I do. I'm not questioning, just so you understand, I'm not questioning God at all about what happened with my dad, at all. But it brings to mind things I do question sometimes. If this were to happen to someone else in my family who wasn't at that age, I may, I, may have a re, I may be reacting a little different, but this reminds me. It helps me understand that God can bring and does bring beauty out of the ashes of what others may inflict upon us in our lives. That God does have a greater plan than we do. We may not totally understand it, but He has that plan. Isaiah 55 eight says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. That's why I said earlier that the 36 hours I spent with my dad was emotionally terrible and spiritually invaluable. Just absolutely spiritually invaluable. I gained, I gained more from my experience. Than I can now, right now, comprehend. Then, I, then, I, then I'm capable of contemplating. You say, "What are you talking about?" I can guarantee you that what I experienced in the last month and a half, I am going. God is going to bring to mind, and I'm going to use those experiences to impact or in, to invest in your lives in ways that I cannot even now comprehend. That you will come to me, someone will come to me and sit down with me in my office and we're having lunch or something. You'll be asking me something and it'll be burdening you and I'll be able to draw from those experiences as difficult emotionally as they were. They will be absolute treasures when I can use them to impact the lives of others. Now, when we go through these, we can either shake our fist at God and say, why, why, why is happening to me? Or we can step back and say, there's more at play here. Like I said, you, can, you can't always explain or understand what you see or what you experience in life. We, 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 because of our, the, we have finite minds, we can't always ex- understand it. And my point is that there are things that are, will happen in this world that we will not understand. I'm just saying this. We will not truly comprehend this side of heaven. We, we, just, we, just, we just won't. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose in it. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose in it. Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. There are secret things that belong to the Lord our God. We don't have the minds to, to comprehend all that God has in play. Let me tell you something. Jesus is just as real to me when I can't feel him or understand him as he is when I can. And that's faith. Jesus Christ is as real to me when I can't feel him or understand him as he is when I can. See, God is at work even when we can't see it. And I asked Sean Emery to come up here and just share with you an illustration I met Sean and he described what he does for a living and I said, I'd love to have you come up. Come on up, Sean. And I want Sean to kind of give us this illustration and then I'll close this out.
1: Good morning. Uh, My name is Sean Emery. Uh, I am a missionary and I run a nonprofit called Mirage Ministries. And I I do outreach events all over the country and other countries using an art form called Perception Art. So I'm a perception artist. And uh, when Pastor Jeff and I talked the first thing that came to my mind was this. He said, hey, do you have an, a, a visual uh, illustration about this, this idea that there are mysterious things that we don't understand uh, that God is doing? God is still working even when you can't see it. And the first thing that popped in my head was this. It's a Rubik's Cube. We all know how a Rubik's Cube works. If you don't know how it works, it's a cube with six sides or six colors. The idea is that you turn the sides. You try to get all the colors uh, to match up. And if you sit down and you, try, you just play with this for hours, you, you, you will not figure it out. You have to know the solution. And so I use this as a really powerful example. Because something happens in your brain. As soon as, soon as I take this cube and put it in the bag, you no longer know anything about it. This happens all the time. Every single day, it happens to all of us, where our knowledge instantly switches over to belief. And we no longer have proof. You can't see it. You can't hear it, touch it, taste it, smell it. You, can't, you have no information about this, rubric. you don't even know if it's still there. And see, I can ask questions now, and I can create doubt. Because you do not have knowledge. But in this moment of not having knowledge, even when we can't see it, God is still at work. When Pastor Jeff and I talked, the verse that just, he was telling me about the story of his father. and There was two verses, really a whole chapter. It was Romans 8. Uh, The first one was Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Revealed. It means that, we don't see it now, but, it will, but God's glory will be revealed. And then the second verse was uh, 828, which I'm sure most of us know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what's really cool about this verse and about this illustration is that the Bible does not say that all things are good. It says that God will work all things for his good. All things work together for good. Even when we can't see it, even when we don't know, even when we don't have knowledge, we can cling to this truth. We can cling to this truth that all things work together. And if you notice, you can see more you can see that part of this is even solved.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know if you realize that. For instance. Can I have one second? You can. I brought two because I think it would be interesting if we saw this. I brought another cube. See this is uh, this is interesting. If you look at a Rubik's cube, and I just like I t- just like I talked about before, uh, if you look at all of the sides and how they're all different, see it's hard to work it if you don't really know how to work a Rubik's cube. Don't but,
0: hand it to me because I have no idea how to work <laughs> a Rubik's cube.
1: But. If you know the solution, and you memorize it, and you practice, even when you can't see, even when you're not in control, all things can work together yeah. Amen. for the good of God's glory. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm.
0: Take a picture of this, and, uh, and you can post it like, hey, Pastor Jeff got the Rubik's Cube done. <laughs> See, my responsibility, honestly, is not to understand every detail of God's purposes. That's not my responsibility. It is not not your responsibility to understand every detail of God's purpose, but to realize that this tapestry, that word tapestry that we call life, is often beyond our finite mind. If you take a tapestry, okay, a rug, a rug, and you look at the you look at the back of it it's it's just mishmash it's just it's ridiculous but you turn it around and it makes this beautiful picture this beautiful work of art It's not our responsibility to understand all the purposes of God. My job is to be obedient and to take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself. And in doing so, to bring glory to my God. That's my responsibility. And then, and then on top of that, to look for the blessings that will come in my life because of my obedient walk with God. Paul, we started out in the beginning, Paul understood this very well. He understood this. And he said in Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, Oh, the depth, listen to the words, of the riches of both the wisdom and understanding of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable his ways. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and reflecting on some, on some very deep truths. And we ask, dear God, that you would allow us to, if, we're, if we know you as Lord and Savior, that you would allow us to, to really own these truths, to, to apply these truths, not only our lives, but the, the people around us who will come to us with questions and concerns and why is this happening and how do I... And we will to take the opportunity to share the love of your Son, Jesus Christ. With them. And Father, there are those here this morning who don't know you. And Father, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would be drawn into a relationship with you. So when that challenging question is asked, where am I going when I leave this world? Father, that that none of us here even with clear minds, would be, would be even contemplating when we're on our deathbeds. How can I buy more time? But that we would have confidence knowing that when we step out of this world, we step into eternity with you. Not because, not because of what we can do and what we can offer, but because of what you offered through your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the price so that we can spend eternity with you. If there's anyone here this morning who has never given their lives to Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you would like to give your life to Christ, just in your own heart, just pray this prayer with me. Father, Father, I'm not really sure if I were to step out of here today and this were... These were the last moments of my life. I'm not sure where I would go. I know I can't buy more time here. I know I'm not in control of my own life. And so I ask, because of what your Son Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, your word says that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord, Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Father, I want that eternal life that only you can offer. I want that confidence. I want to be laying in my deathbed being able to nod my head And feeling that confidence and that security in your truth. So I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. That you would show me my purpose in life. And that I would truly live for you every day. Now with everyone's heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, just for the first time, I want you to raise your hand up just really quickly and put it back down. Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, that we have to be called your children and to be secure in the knowledge of who you are and who we are in you. We praise you and thank you for this morning. We ask, dear God, that you would use it to impact our lives and to minister to the lives of others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close out with this last song, I have some Bibles up here. Um, it's called Beyond, Beyond Suffering Bible, uh, Where Struggle Seems Endless, God's Hope Is Infinite. And they're NIV, they're NIV kind of study Bibles that deal with this subject. If, you had given, if you've given your life to Christ this morning, um, I would like you to have one of these Bibles as a gift. Okay, so just come and see me after the service. Let's close with worship.